Welcome back to Brain and Blaze, a weekly podcast about epilepsy by epileptics, for epileptics, and our caretakers. I'm your host, David Clifford. This episode is the first in the series on stigma. In this episode, I'll tell a story about how my own stigma changed the route of my life. If you're new to Brain and Blaze, I just want to state that I'm not a medical expert. I'm just someone that has struggled with the ins and outs of epilepsy for almost three decades. This is somewhat of a long story, but I promise you, I am going somewhere with it. I was a deceptively stupid kid in elementary school. I did everything in my power to hide how bright I was. One of my main coping mechanisms at home and later at school was not to stand out for any reason whatsoever. I was a ninja in the night, a no-flash photography sign in the Louvre, a wallflower at the junior prom. I mean, it was the early 80s. Divorce rates were sky-high, latchkey kids occupied their time eating sugary cereals in front of cartoons after school until they had to start making dinner before their parents came home. I learned quickly that as long as I got good enough-ish grades, my parents were fine with whatever happened at school. I do remember the first time that I was given proper incentive at school to actually ditch my coping mechanism and show those around me what I could really do. May I have your attention, please? Jimmy, Jimmy, put that down. She started it. No, I didn't. I don't care who started it. Just put it down. Fine. Mm. Class. <laughs> Class. We have something new to try to tell. Uh, <laughs> not again. New doesn't necessarily mean bad. It's called the multiplication table. And we're going to time you doing it. Do we have to? <sighs> Hey. Yes, Jimmy. What happens if we get it done before time runs out? <laughs> Here, take one and pass it back. Thank you. Once you get this done, you can go out to recess early. Are you kidding me? We can just get this done and we can go out to play? Who wouldn't be motivated? The multiplication table up to 12 became a daily ritual for our class right before the second recess. By the end of the week, I had learned how to do it so fast that the teacher said I could go out and play. I felt proud each day of walking past the open mouth stairs of the other kids to claim my prize. The whole playground all by myself. And even if it was just for a few minutes, I felt like a celebrity. What you doing out here? The voice of the vice principal suddenly brought me back from my fantasy. Though it was 1982, he still wore a brown faded suit with slight bell-bottoms. You could see the sweat on his luscious chest hair, glistening through his paper-thin yellow button-up shirt. And after a short discussion, he finally asked me, Aren't you supposed to be in class? I swear, you could see the tips of his mustache seared after hearing my response. He grabbed me by the collar of my GoBots t-shirt and walked me back to class past the kids leaving my classroom. David's in trouble. He pushed me to the closest desk and confronted my teacher about my thin alibi. She reluctantly confirmed my story. Well, I just want you in my office the minute the last bell rings. My teacher gave me the evil eye. Today. Yes, sir. The next day, I was pulled out of classes to take a few hours of test. I didn't realize it then, 
but they were basic skills to actually test how well I could read, write, and most importantly, how I could do math. I thought it was particular at the time, but to be honest, I was glad to get out of the class. If they wanted to punish me for being out in the playground by myself, that was fine with me. Taking tests was sure a lot better than listening to my teacher. When lunchtime came around, they didn't let me leave though. Instead, the same mustache vice principal joined me for a little chat. You know, David, your teacher thinks you're somehow cheating on this multiplication table. I'm not. I'm swear, I'm not. Jeez, hold on there, kid. I guess we'll just have to see about that. What do you mean? Prove it. He pulled out the multiplication table form my teacher was using and a number two pencil and pushed them both across the desk. I'll admit, I have an overdeveloped sense of justice. I think it's all of the G.I. Joe I watched growing up. Especially when I was young, there just seemed to be a clear line between right and wrong. And suddenly, this teacher was accusing me? I grabbed the pencil and form and filled it as fast as I could. And I even slammed the pencil down the desk with some flourish. There. Now you tell Mrs. Why are you so upset? And she, and you said. While I blustered, the vice principal just said. analyzed my work. Satisfied, he placed the form on the desk. Ten minutes later, there were several other adults in the room. And the vice principal was challenging them to see if they could beat how fast I could fill out the multiplication table. Each time they asked me to repeat the act, I got more and more frustrated that I was somehow doing it wrong. Finally, one of the younger teachers asked me, You're just memorizing the table, right? It hadn't even occurred to the eight-year-old me that we could do that. I was supposed to learn how to fill it out, right? No. I just see four times six and see four sixes, and that's 24. Look, I'm not cheating, I promise you. I explained to the teachers that I'm really good at patterns, and I don't know why. Everyone can do the multiplication by twos and fives and tens. Easy, right? But did you notice the digits in the multiplication of nine all add up to nine? For example, one and eight, one plus eight is equal nine, one and seven, two plus seven equals a nine, 36, 45, or all the multiples of 11 are just the digits repeated. For example, two times 11 is 22, then 33, 44, 55, when you know all these simple patterns, 50% of the table is filled in. To do the other parts of the table, I explained that I was actually not multiplying at all, but just adding. The elementary teachers were aghast. How can you be adding? That's not how it works. I explained that you have the table. Each cell is just the digit plus the previous cell to the left. So if you know that four times six is 24, then 4 times 7 is just 24 plus 4. Or if you want to multiply by 8, you just add 10, then subtract 2. Now, do you remember my coping mechanism as a kid? Blend. I was suddenly teaching an annex class of elementary mathematics to a group of adults, to teachers no less, and I was definitely uncomfortable, even a bit scared. Because they didn't understand, I felt I was doing it wrong. No matter how hard I had tried to explain what I was doing, the teachers would get more and more frustrated once one left, a new one would come in, and I would be forced to explain myself all over again. By the end of the day, I was a wreck and hungry. The next afternoon, my mom sat me down at our kitchen table with a very stern look. My mother said to me, So, what happened today? I gave her the same story I explained to you. She asked to show her what I was doing. She was a math teacher, so she immediately understood the tricks I had developed. And finally she said, That's good thinking. I felt vindicated. My mom got me. Why didn't the other teachers at school get me? David, listen. Are you listening? 
put that down. Are you listening? Yeah. They're thinking about putting you into a special class. What do you mean a special class? I mean, I did a good job though, right? No. This would be filled with special people, just like you. Even at eight years old in 1983, I knew what, quote, special, end quote, meant. The special kids rode special buses to school. I saw them huddled in the circle in their special area of the playground, while the other kids, kids like me, laughed and played. My eyes started to well up with tears. I'll try better, Mom. I swear. I'll do better. I didn't mean to be sent to the principal's office. I mean, the teacher gave me extra time. He did the table, and I was out in the recess, and he saw me. Just don't put me in the class with the special kids, As okay? As my pleads became more desperate, my mother hugged me. Says, I'll do it. I swear. Ultimately, my mom didn't allow the school to put me into that special class. Thirteen years later, I had already been diagnosed with epilepsy for four years. I had learned enough about stigma to write my own book. Hey bro, stay away from those blinking lights, okay? But you look so healthy. Are you sure you're not just faking them? You have epilepsy? I think we should just be friends. Get out of the water! You know my dog has epilepsy, so I know exactly what you're going through. Maybe the information in this class is just too difficult for you. And your epilepsy. Hey, Broham, I just told this epileptic dude to stay away from the blinking lights. Isn't that great? <laughs> right on. In my first computer programming course, I learned that there was a name for the good thinking my mom had seen. It was a basic concept in computer science called space versus time. Essentially, one stores more clues in memory, like a table, to make further calculation easier. The day I learned about this in school, I brought this whole story back up to my mother. And she stared at me blankly. What are you talking about? They didn't want to put you in a special needs program. I tried even harder to explain the whole story all over again. Finally, she outright laughed at me. <laughs> Is that what you think I meant when I said special class? Of course. Who wouldn't? And that's why you made it such a fuss? Oh, wouldn't you? David, they wanted you to skip from third grade directly to fifth. Suddenly, I was transported back to teaching that annex math course. Those teachers weren't mad at me or at the way I was describing my methods. They were upset that they just couldn't grasp what this eight-year-old was trying to teach them. They were bringing in new teachers in just to get a second opinion in the hope that they would learn it. I wasn't the problem at all. Okay, hold on, hold on, pause the music. I would like to say that my 20-year-old self had the astonishing moment of clarity, realizing how the stigma I had placed on the kids in the special needs program had just affected my own life. But I have to admit, that wasn't my first reflection at all. What? You made me complete two more years of school? I could have been out of school at 15 years old? It took me a couple years later to finally have the realization I had described earlier. The fact that even at eight years old, the stigma against these kids in the special needs program had clearly been cemented in my psyche frightened me. 
I was certainly never taught those ideas by my parents. And who was to say those kids were not happier than me going through elementary school? After all, in most things at school, I didn't even exist. This thought influenced me greatly when I started advocating for epilepsy. Now that we understand that stigma exists, how can we push past it to let others better know what we're all about? Well, that's exactly what we're going to try to cover in the next episode of the Brain Blaze Epilepsy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to my story. We would love to hear any of your comments or questions regarding this or any of our other episodes. You can reach out to us via email at social at brainablaze.com or at Twitter at brainablaze. And if you like this episode, consider subscribing or even helping us by providing a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your content. One small click really does help. See you next time.